this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, Dipper and Mabel compete to win their own room. But the contest gets even trickier when they learn the room's carpet has electric body swapping properties. We're talking about Gravity Falls Carpet Diem this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. <laughs> Did you like this one? This one was like a wacky episode of a show. It was almost like a, like they're all kind of wacky and chaotic, but this one was just like the like running around, which goes well with slumber parties. And it also, this reminded me of the movie Freaky Friday. There's a reason. Ah. <laughs> so, but yeah, how you doing, man? Good. That's good. I'm doing pretty good as well. I've been getting ready for a couple cool things with the website coming up. Not that it matters, because by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be passed, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, just so everybody knows, Hope and I recorded for like three hours last night, so we don't have a lot, an awful lot to catch up to <laughs> over the last 14 hours or whatever. We 20 hours. We wrapped up uh, Star Wars Rebels over on Jagas and Jedi, and it was, it was a very a long while. show last night. Took a little while. Yeah, yeah, it's when, when you're wrapping up an entire show. It, you gotta you, do what you gotta do. Absolutely, so we're just like... Cool, I just talked to you for, like, forever last night, so... Well, you know what? That's a good thing. Let's get into Carpet Diem. It was really funny. We were just, like, Chris was like, man, it's nice to see, like, a three-page outline. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> what was that? Well, yesterday's was, like, what, 15 pages? Something that like that? Was, uh, that was No, that finale. was the one before it, the right? The before it, yeah. It was a 15-page outline for Family Reunion for and double, Farewell. That's right, because it was double-sized, yeah. It was the final episode of Rebels, and it was a 15-page outline. It's just so funny, though, because, like, when it, when it comes to this episode, I, I can't wait to get further into the show and be able to do kind of, like, a look-back of stuff, mm -hmm. because there's so much in this episode that I can't talk to you about. Yeah, this this episode seemed to be setting up a lot of stuff for, for later on, or, or at least dropping breadcrumbs of stuff that could potentially... Oh, so do you have stuff for your speculation corner? I do, I do. I Very always do. I, always, I know you always do, but I'm, I'm wondering... I, it's part of my homework. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but that's because, like... Um, but, but a lot I, of what I'm talking about isn't in my speculation corner. I'm just saying they find that hidden room. In the hidden room, instantly I'm looking at every shelf. There's books in there. There's that, that pyramid thing with the, with the rainbow. You're starting um, to pick up to look at everything. You're starting to pick that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a in a hidden room, with a rug with with a piece of paper that says experiment number, everything in that room is a clue. And I mean, and this this episode was definitely saying, well, I'm getting into the the the, but like, yeah, there was a lot of Dipper. Dipper was a hardy boy in this this uh, episode, <laughs> clicking his pen and like so so. I knew that I knew it was time for me to it, click my mental pen when I saw that room. So I was looking, looking all around. I'm sure I missed a few things, but like, I mean that that pyramid with the with the that with the rainbow on it was just begging. <laughs> <laughs> I 
be a Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon reference, but I don't think so. And there's also just, like, uh, the fun thing of he was actually reading a spoof on the Hardy Boys. <laughs> yes. That's his summer reading. Well, are you ready just to get into it? I am. All right. <clears throat> Carpet Diem. I wrote the Carpet Diem, but it's just Carpet Diem. Carpet Diem is the 16th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on April 5th, 2013. It was written by Tim McKeon. Zach Pies and Alex Hirsch. It was directed by Joe Pitt. And the storyboard artists were Matt Braley, Patrick Harpin, Chris Sonnenberg, and Nikki Yang. Some extra information for you. This is where I was talking about Freaky Friday. This episode aired as part of the Freaky Freakend on Disney Uh, Channel. Okay. A promotional stunt wherein eight episodes from various different TV shows had body-swapping episodes over the course of a single weekend. That's why it was crazy, crazy, because it was commissioned, and they said, let's just go nuts. Let's 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 go crazy, go nuts with this one. Oh, I would probably okay. say that this would probably had stuff to do with some of their live-action shows, because animation is so far in advance. This was, let's see, what, 2013? This was probably in production, like, 2011, 2012. So it was probably that they commissioned the live action shows around this one. But this one, they probably saw Gravity Falls and made probably another show. Actually, let's just click on the link. <laughs> Why didn't I just click on the link and see Gravity Falls special events? In an homage to the 1972 novel Freaky Friday and its film adaptations, Disney aired episodes of popular shows focused on body swapping episodes during the weekend of April 5th to April 7th. Gravity Falls 16th episode, Carpe Diem, premiered as part of the event alongside of other shows under the 30-minute time slot. Okay, that didn't tell me as much as I thought. <laughs> I thought it was going to have a list of the other shows, but I, I can only assume that they were some of their live-action shows as well. Um, and the other background information for you. In the beginning of the episode, while playing a game of Attic Stuff Mini Golf, Dipper hits an artificial eyeball and it crashes through the window. The window is in the shape of a triangle, and the eye crashes through the exact center, alluding to the Eye of Providence, a symbol often associated with Freemasonry. You can even freeze-frame the exact moment when the eye passes through the center of the class to make this reference. Yeah, that's the easiest conspiracy theory Illuminati reference you can make, the most basic one. And, and I picked, like, this is the good-slash-bad thing about being, like, a film major is... When you when we took animation classes and we're doing animation and stuff, it trains your eyes when you're watching animation to see the frames from not like from now till eternity. Uh, like when I watch something like Gravity Falls, I know that the keyframes on it there's less movements per 24 frames as they'll do like eight eight keyframes per 24 frames and then with filler in between. Whereas What's a keyframe. Like the basic different movements that make up a movement. Okay. And and uh, and you have 24 frames per second. So if you want your movement done in a second, you have to have the person move their arm from one place to another. But it's a lot of work to do 24 frames a second, especially when you're doing like half hour cart- weekly cartoons and stuff. So what they'll do is they'll do a lot less, you know, it won't take 24 individual movements to get from one place to another they'll they'll take three or four depending on how many movements they have they'll take three or four pictures of the same frame and just put a bunch of them in 
But then when you're doing something like Akira or Howl's Moving Castle or something, those guys are animating 24 separate frames a lot of the time. And you can see the difference, you know. And and with that scene with the with the eyeball going through the window, I instantly was like, oh, Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for that. Yeah. Happens twice. It does, actually. Actually, some one of the cool things is there's also like little things around the shop, like I think in the gift shop, the carpet on the floor has a triangle with an eye on it. And the A on the very front, not like in the big mystery shack sign, but in the front door, there's a little like triangle um, with a, what looks kind of like an eye in the front mm-hmm. of the mystery shack as well. So another, there's like little no, things. Another Masonic shorthand that people use in, in, in to put the Illuminati stank on it are... Um, um, black and white checkerboard floors. When you see a black and white checkerboard floor, a lot of times that's what they're putting it in there for. Or, oh, or cool. that's what the, the conspiracy theorists are, will jump on. They'll be like, checkerboard floor! Why? Why a checkerboard, why a checkerboard floor? Oh, there's... They, they use them in Masonic temples. They have checkerboard floor, black and white squared floor tile floors. It's all... I mean, the masons were formed by stone masons. So basically a lot of like when you see a Masonic temple and stuff, a lot of the stuff you see in there is mathematical symbology and geometric mathematical symbology that had a lot to do with the mechanics of doing masonry work, physics and stuff. And that was a way of for them to pass it down. And so they got known as people who passed down secrets. I feel like now after you mentioned that, I feel like I did know that about the checkered bird floor, but I didn't know the rest of it. That's really cool. Yeah, there's uh, a. I mean, yeah, there's all that, and all their symbology is based upon like math and like compass points and you know angles and angles and geometric stuff. Well, as always, hope makes Chris watch cartoons is broken into a few parts. Part one will be the stories, themes, and characters. Part two is reading from journals Dipper Entry. Part three is Chris's th- speculation and theories corner. Part four is the cipher corner and connections to previous episodes. And then we will wrap up the episode. So, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode, a.k.a. what Jimmy our jams? Baby fights. Baby fights is my too. <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. That, yeah, that, I, I just like the two babies sitting there, and then you just see a stick come out and push them together. <laughs> I like the logos, like this kaboom, stone, yeah, stone, stone clamps shutting with teeth on it, baby fights. I just love the one where the baby's just chewing on the ball, and there's subtitles that says, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> Baby fights is probably one of my favorite gags of I, I've used that gif so many times. Like if I'm like if I see just like two political people like arguing, I'll just throw up the baby fights gif. I use that gif all the time. I love it. Or if I like see like two like really shitty dude bros fighting it out over like, ooh, women can't be in the Star Wars fandom, I just throw up baby fights. <laughs> <laughs> I use that gif so much <laughs> i that's that's one of my favorite parts too <laughs> my my other favorite part is sort of tied in with tied tied with it is pig seuss the whole concept of pig seuss both, I, yeah. both pig seusses 
the the way Seuss becomes a pig and way and the way the pig becomes Seuss. That's a great joke. And Seuss in the pig's body was funny just because the old guy was going to eat him. But <laughs> Waddles managed to get engaged <laughs> and, and go get out, a raise. Get a raise. Get a girlfriend and get engaged all the while the other Seuss was that was running around. And it was almost like maybe they should have just stayed in the switch. They both seemed so much happier. <laughs> and, I just like and, the little things with like Seuss where he's 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 so methodical and like thoughtful about being a pig. Like he sees the mud puddle and he's like, a mud puddle. Dare I live out the cliche? And he's just so happy and he's just like, Yay, mud <laughs> But he's so like thoughtful about being a pig like he's going through we always talk about as soon as being a zen character um this is one of my notes so i'm just going to go ahead and go into it now before i get into my favorite parts but like we always talk about him being such a zen character and he gets to be just extra zen being a pig he's just being just himself and enjoying life and he's just like the cliche of the mud puddle let's do yeah. it he's just like, yeah. he tries to he tries to, but then he becomes food, <laughs> and then oh. it's all over. <laughs> oh man, my gut get always ruining it. But I love how with Waddles and Seuss's body, it's so physically hilarious. Just like Wendy walking in and seeing Seuss eating the shirt, and she just backs away. <laughs> and but, you know, you know, I I noticed before, but this episode, I just noticed he has some Seuss has some messed up teeth. The, the, well, that's one of my like animation notes is when everybody is in different people's bodies, they kind of announce like really push like little animation things so you can tell who's there, and mm -hmm. they really emphasizes Seuss's teeth when Waddles is in his body. Yes. Yes. But just just all the little things like him putting his hand on Stan's face and just breathing heavily. And Stan's like, I don't like it. <laughs> Have a race. You win. <laughs> Get me out of here. Don't do that again. I'm scared. I need, I need an adult and I am the adult. <laughs> yes, Seuss, Seuss and Waddle's body swapping. And then you just have the great little tiny bit of, of what's his butt? What's his name? Dipper. Dipper in Waddle's body for half a second. He's like, I'm a pig now. And he just picks up the apple and just starts eating the apple. <laughs> <laughs> See, they were uh, just having fun with this one. They were just like, we're going to switch everybody. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. For my favorite parts of the episode, Baby Fights was on my list as well. I love the entire sex talk scene with Grunkle Stan and poor Mabel stuck inside of Dipper's body. <laughs> just from the setup of, oh, you're at that creepy phase of looking at girls <laughs> and I, I like how he set it up like like he calls it out he's like dude you're being creepy stop looking at your sister and your friends and poor mabel is just stuck he's just like the pituitary gland it has big plans for you <laughs> that entire yeah but the, the weird thing is is they got a picture of the pineal gland in it which is also another like that's another one conspiracy theorists are big on Did really you know Oh yeah, the pineal gland. I mean, the pineal gland sits I'm learning in so much today. <laughs> the pineal gland is your little dream movie theater in your brain. Your, the pineal gland is actually wired. It it is basically an eye in your brain. There's a lot of theories that like it watches your. It's that's where like a lot of dreaming happens. Is is in this 
brain eye, but it's also right in your head positioned where your third eye would be and mystical things. So a lot of people take, especially in new age, you know, that your pineal gland is your, your root of psychic power. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories that, uh, Oh, uh, what is it that they put in the water? Um, fluoride, that the fluoride in the water calcifies your pineal gland, thus keeping you on a lower vibrational wavelength. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I noticed of all the things pointed out on that thing in the brain, it was pineal gland. And I also noticed that the director, Joe Pitts, I know I know somebody named Joe Pitt, but it's a girl. Oh. Yep. Chris. Yes. All I'm going to say about the pineal gland and all the third eye stuff you just told me. Put a pin in that for two more episodes. <laughs> good, good. See, so they so they were setting up something. Yeah. Because I, I did not know that. And I'm just like... Oh, well, that's important in two weeks, <laughs> two, three weeks. <laughs> that will pin it. And I just I just love the whole bit. Um, my other favorite part is the whole bit of them playing the Dream Boy dating board game. And oh, my God. I have sold so many versions of Dream Date. On, um, or is it Mystery Date? Or it's Mystery Date, I think. It's something it's, like that. Uh, on eBay over the years, that it's unbelievable. People, lo- I, you get a good, a pretty penny for that game. It, it's so funny. But I've always, I always have to test them, so I always get to listen to like, "Hi, I'm Roger. I like but, football and the beach." I, but I just love the whole bit of just how robotic it is. Like, my name is Kevin, and Candy's <laughs> like, Candy sounds like a robot, and Brenda's like, "Don't ruin this for me, Candy." <laughs> And then later on, she's like, how could you hang up on Kevin? I just, I love the whole bit. It's just, and how they're teenage, they're, they're tweens, they're tween girls. And I love how, like, into, like, being tween girls they are. They just go all in, like, makeovers, everything about it. It's putting glitter on pizza. I love, I love that this show allows the kid characters to be kids. And I love it. So those were my favorite parts. To get to the stories, themes, and the characters, this sounds like you've got a lot to talk about about, about the secret rooms. I, I went back in and added the secret room into my notes because you apparently have a lot of thoughts on that. Well, one, wasn't there already a secret room? Didn't we already have the secret room with the wax figures in it? So now they're yeah, was, yeah. they could have had an, so they could so they both could have had an, had their own room. <laughs> I was actually wondering if you were going to bring up the whole the mystery shack of the TARDIS again. It, it may be. I mean, I'm, they may just, I don't know if they'll do it for real, but it may be just in a, a literary trope sense is where you ju- they just are like, yeah, we'll just keep finding different rooms in here and not explain it. That I could see that happening too. It's just like, okay, when, I, when they found this, this room, I was like, all right, so we, we can just write off the, the other room. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, I, we could just pretend that didn't happen from episode to episode, I guess. So, I, I which think is the fine. Interesting, I think the interesting thing about this room versus the one back in Headhunters was the one in Headhunters, it looked like the door handle had just fallen off and it just got wallpaper put over it. So when the wallpaper peeled away, she was found the door handle. But this one was specifically behind a bookcase. Yeah, no, this one, the, the other room was just an empty room that had a bunch of, had the mystery sho- stuff was shoved in it. It was like a storage room. There wasn't yeah. anything, re- there wasn't anything about it. The only thing that about it that was like, 
a little sketchy was it had a window in it, which it was like, oh, you guys didn't notice that window on the outside in the <laughs> ever in the years. This room, somebody, it looked like it was uh, either somebody lived in. I mean, it has a, a uh, is it a bed that they're sitting on or a couch? It's got a couch it, in it. It's a couch. So it's like a study. And, and so somebody, and you know, there's the carpet on the floor with a label on it. And so somebody, somebody was using that room that has something to do with the mysteries. It's a little too easy to assume it's Uncle Stan at this, or Grunkle Stan at this point, but who knows? But it was obviously a room, you know, and that door was like, it wasn't just a door. It was a nice ornate door, like into somebody's study. It was, it was very Masonic. I want to point out one thing to you, and it's the only bone I'm going to throw you. There, there's a calendar on the wall. I have the date the written dirt- down, July 11th. I was going to tell you the date. I was July, 4th, to ask- July 4th, 1982. And I wanted to see what, you're, what you thought about that date. Well, it's the 4th of July. I, haven't, I don't remember it mentioned yet in the show. I don't remember it if it, if it was. But it's obviously going to be... A, that was almost my prediction is... We're going to end up in July 4th, 1982. But then I thought, ah, now we'll probably just find out about July 4th, 1982. Obviously, something was supposed to happen then. Um, that room is not very 1982. That room is very 1860s, which would place it in very masonic It's very 19th century. Yeah, I don't know what to think of it, but I, I, I obviously wrote it down. So I was like, there's a, re- I mean, the date was circled and like the only number you saw on the calendar was four. It, you know, it made it very, it was like, look at me. I'm just happy because like that you're just like, oh, let me pick up on some of the stuff like in the background because there's been a couple of times like when I brought up the merman last week being an episode, and you're like, oh, that wasn't a throwaway line. And now I'm just like, yes, Chris is paying attention. You know now to look for things. Yeah, no, I I mean... This is a yeah. very obvious, like, look at yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, hope someday you need to watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> and the new Twin Peaks. That's, yeah, that's like master class and like you're just watching of... And, and it's that's even a more evil filmmaker where he's like throwing a million things on the screen. A lot of it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> other things may mean absolutely everything so you're just sitting there watching the the new twin peaks was literally 18 hours 18 hours worth of surrealism of just like searching every little corner of the screen and going like what's this what's this what's this what's this i don't know my brain's breaking so i'm ready for gravity falls yeah to a lesser extent i did that with lost I, I was yeah. Into- Lost is the Lost would be a good example of of something like that where. And, I actually and, I actually did that with Cloverfield too because before Cloverfield sure. ever ever came out, there was this whole like backstory about this whole uh, the yep. company that owned Slush Show and how they were yep. doing deep sea oil yep. digging and that's where the monster came from and that they were slowly poisoning people in America through slush shows. Yeah, oh, the same, same um, thing it, happened with the Blair Witch Project. They, and they, then they, the one character, like at the beginning of the movie, like you're going through the party and there's one female character passed out on the couch and online only, not in the movie, but online, you get her in t- They actually created her blog and her. the reason she's passed out is because she drank herself because her boyfriend has suddenly vanished and she thinks her boyfriend has just left her. 
Turns out the boyfriend was the person investigating the poisoning of Slusho and the government has taken him away. It's not anywhere in the Cloverfield movie, but if, when you dive into yeah. like their photos and their and their blogs and stuff, mm-hmm. like I did that. That yeah, was no, a that, summer. <laughs> the Blair Witch Pro- the Blair Witch Project put out like a doc a fake documentary about the the true background of the movie. And then they had a whole online setup with news stories and interviews with the, the parents of the the characters and stuff like that. Like, and and all and, really and a lot that of that anymore. stuff. Yeah, they don't really stuff. do that now. It's a lot of work, and it and, is a and they, they 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 do it to a, a smaller extent. But it's like you got to go on to it's you got to go on to the next thing. You know, viral marketing sort of had its. Had its go. Somebody, the, somebody will come up. Basically, we're just waiting for somebody to come up with a new, a new variant on it that, like, you you could trick people with the first couple found footage movies into like truly, belie- either truly believing they're real or believing enough just watching it to get immersed in it. But then after you do it a bunch of times, and you know the viral marketing stuff, and plus, like. The viral marketing, when people started doing it after like Cloverfield, they didn't put the time and effort into it as much. So it just, it, a lot of times it wasn't as good. But yeah, because BBC Sherlock did that too. Some, somebody will come up with a gimmick eventually. They'll they'll be making their movie and they'll be like, hey, what if we do this? You know, yeah, just wait for it to happen. BBC Sherlock did it to a smaller extent because like <laughs> John, like the real, they had a blog for John. They had Sherlock's blog. Molly had her own blog. And they, they interacted and stuff like that, but um, it was definitely not the extent to loss. Yeah, and, like, and it, that, now that I think it, back on it, like that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed like yeah, that's doing just that. almost like bonus material, you know? Yeah. Because like no, you're not going to really convince anybody that Sherlock Holmes is real with it, but it's just a nice little. It's it's like DVD extras or something, you know? It's just yeah. There's for, for a great people who are fanned out about it. It gives them extra. There's a great post because in in one of the episodes, um, it's it's the first episode that Jim Moriarty is in, and he's pretending to be like Molly's date, um, to get closer to Sherlock and stuff. But like, there's a blog on Molly's, there's a post on Molly's blog where like her and fucking Moriarty were at her apartment watching, I think like Glee or something, and I just love the idea that she made Moriarty of all people watch Glee. <laughs> Or something likely. It was some like teenage show, um, and I just that that still to this day makes me laugh because it's, it's technically canon. Funny, I was just watching a video where people were talking about the Star Trek Next Generation episode where where Data goes into the he goes into the um, holodeck because he likes acting out Sherlock Holmes adventures, mm. and then a glitch in the computer makes Moriarty sentient and he takes over the ship. And they so they have to defeat Moriarty. That's interesting. And he's and he's petitioning for his for his sentient freedom. It's it's a it's a neat show. I will to go back to your point of what you were saying about how like Twin Peaks throws in a bunch of like a bunch of stuff, but only one thing is important. That applies to this room. There is one yeah. item in this room that's important, and I won't tell you which one. It's probably either the book or the pyramid. That's my um. My guess. Those, the book, the pyramid, and um, oh, what was the other thing we just talked about? The calendar. The calendar were the three most like look at me things on it. So I'm guessing it's one of those. Okay. 
Did you have anything else about the secret room? No, just that I thought, I was like, hey, wasn't there another secret room? To, to get into the story a little bit more, I love a good body swap episode. It's such a classic trope. And I, I, I've been rewatching um, Owl House with my stepmom. Um, and they have a, an entire body swap episode as well. But they do it so deliberately where Ida, who is a witch, is just like, you know what everybody loves? A body swap. And she just takes out her magic staff and she's just like, body swap spell! And it's so, like, obvious. Like, we are doing a body swap episode. Like, it's just such a classic trope that's just used all the time. It's one of my favorite fanfic tropes of, like, let me see what it's like to be in someone else's body. And then I realize how much their their lives are harder than what I thought it was. And it, I, just, I really like it. I, I love their instant panic scene of just them, like, puking and freaking out because that is the correct reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I just like the little animated choices, too. Like, like we were talking about with Seuss's teeth, but when Mabel is in Dipper's body, they soften all of D- Dipper's features. Mm-hmm. Like, he's much more rounded. Like, his face is more rounded when Mabel's in there. And then when Dipper is in Mabel's body, like, they give her bags under her eyes. And oh, her yeah, hair, and, all, and all their hair, body language is intact, too. Yeah, and, like, her hair is more frizzled because he's in there. <laughs> I just love watching, like, Dipper's, like, little hands just, like, flop around like Mabel's. Just like, ah! <laughs> um, it's, it's really nice animated choices. And then in the big scene, when everyone's swapping back and forth, like, you can tell, like, who's in what body based on just the animated choices and they're all super subtle like there's one point where i think it was candy that was in sheriff blub's body and you can tell like how it's candy because like she's so unsure about like what's happening around her actually it might have been seuss actually now i think about it because candy was very much enjoying being a man yeah candy was (laughs) just enjoying everything about it did you like candy and grinda in this episode yeah what was i gonna say about oh um (laughs) although grinda might have been there might have been a little sketchiness going on was she making out with the uh, invisible wizard in the closet is that what was going on i don't know but i'm so glad you brought that up because i forgot about the invisible wizard that's hilarious oh my god she comes out of the closet with kisses all over her face she's like i was making out the closet i don't even know with who and i'm just like oh my god it was the invisible winner oh my god she's a little kid (laughs) i forgot about the invisible wizard yeah, oh my God, don't forget so about the, the Invisible Wizards getting a lot of a lot of play in this show. Apparently, oh my God, I forgot. This Invisible wither, Wizard may have to go to jail, you know? How are you going to find him? He's invisible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Candy and Grinda in this episode for the roles that they play. Like, I... I like them just kind of once they realize that the carpet can make them swap, they, they just have fun with it. Like it just goes back to the whole like yeah. There's there's thing. no hesitation. They're just like swap. <laughs> <laughs> just Candy's little zip zip and just like touches different. She's like I'm a dude now. What's up, bro? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and I just like them throwing McGucket, Blubs, and Derland into the mix as well because why not? Also. McGucket still wanted to eat Seuss once he was a human again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they uh they they push they push some of the lines. It's pretty funny what they can get away with and what they couldn't get away with. Yeah. To, to talk about the twins a little bit, uh, this story really is you know nothing that we haven't seen before. But 
I do like the whole layer of neither, what's the best way of saying this, how Dipper and Mabel didn't want to have their own room, but the situation kind of made them just become like it almost like a sibling rivalry. Mabel, clearly at the beginning when Dipper is just like, well, I think we should have our own room. You see, they have that moment where they actually have her. She's just like, oh, uh, well, then I do too. Because it's what her brother's doing and it just escalates into a rivalry. But then we find out that Dipper didn't even want his own room either. And it goes into the whole, you know, the matter of they're both getting to this place where they, they probably grew up their entire They're both life getting shared. too old to live in the live in the same room together. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like they probably shared their room their entire lives, but now they're entering puberty and they're gonna need their own spaces and their own personal spaces. Yeah. And it it kind of goes. I, I'm currently editing the Summerween episode, um, and we were talking about childhood milestones and like holding on to the holding yeah. on to the past and stuff. And that's kind of what they're doing. Like, they're both trying to hold on to, like, this time that they have together. And they don't want to grow apart. But at one point, eventually, they're going to have to grow up and grow apart. At least a little bit in, in terms of personal space. Oh, yeah. Puberty's going to do that to you. you you're going to want your privacy. Just saying. Yeah. I, I, puberty, I, I, is a t- puberty is a time for privacy. <laughs> yes. Yes, it it's is. Where privacy is not only necessary, it's like valued and prized. Uh, it's you know, like mandatory. Your room, yeah, your room <laughs> is your sanctum sanctorum, and like, if you find out your sister or parents were in your room, you're just like, "What were you doing in my room? There yeah. are secrets there." I also love just the stand storyline of he's just like, I'm going to take advantage of these children. But the moment it gets just too much, he's like, I am out. This is yeah, weird. He gives out, he gives out is the, the second things get weird. Stan kind of gives up, which is weird because it's making me think Stan might not know as much about the weirdnesses as I thought. Because, he, yeah, he gets freaked out really easily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he got freaked out a couple times in this. I kind of like the idea of him. Maybe going back to the whole, like, Mabel thing of just Mabel being in Dipper's body. And he's just like, you stood up to me like a man. And maybe it was just the whole time of, like, my children are playing me. Like, I was playing them, and now they're playing me. They figured it out. I have to escape. <laughs> because he was absolutely manipulating them. And then the moment they're... It, it almost feels like they were like, oh, we figured out Stan's con, so let's mess with him. And he's just like, I don't want to be messed with. I'm out. It, well, it was funny because they 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 thought it, they got his con, and then they were trying to mess with each other, but they ended up messing with him in order to get their goals. The actually not since we're on Stan, I think it was I don't remember what episode it was, but um, a few episodes ago, I would I had asked you the question of what do do you think that we constantly see Stan and Mabel together in the B plots, but we don't see time of Dipper and Stan together and I had asked do you think that's going to affect their relationship going forward and I forgot in this episode that Stan flat out says that he finds Dipper who is Mabel and Dipper's body more likable in this episode more likable than normal and that was the first time I really looked at it that maybe it is important that Mabel and Stan has been standing all this time together because he flat out says like you know, I like Dipper, but he's more likable with you and his body. I think guys like Stan, traditionally grumpy, grumpy old, not in touch with their emotional type guys, manly men guys, 
they actually get along better with like whether it be adults more with kids they get they get along better with a little girl because they can show their soft side without any of the 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 masculinity baggage attached to it and it's a little girl so it's okay so he could be a little softer and a little more human around uh, uh, little girls than like little boys where he's got to be like i've got to be the 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 male figure he's very into that that old guy toxic masculinity sort of guys guy sort of beer drinking sort of thing so I, I i think it's just easier for it's easier for guys like that to hang out with like a little girl because they don't they can relax more you know they don't have to be a they don't don't feel that they have to be a role model as much or if they do feel that they have to be a role model it's a softer role model they don't have to teach a little girl how to be manly or how to swallow up her emotions or whatever so i i just think that dynamics kind of at play there i'm trying to think has because we had the boss mabel episode where mabel and stan had the contest and then in fight fighters it was mabel and stan in the b plot of her trying to cure his fear of heights and then in the manatar episode it was mabel and stan with the whole lazy susan getting a date with lazy susan right. storyline has stan and Dipper been on an adventure or a B-plot together? I don't think so. The only thing I can think of is they were both on Mabel's side when it came to Gideon. Right. But I don't think they've had like a a Dipper Stan episode of just the two of them. No. And that I might th- be that might be important because that may be building towards that, you know. There may be there may be a mystery that will be revealed through a Stan and Dipper thing. Okay. The, the reason I'm, I'm on this track is I, w- I was thinking that it shows their time together as well because Mabel knows exactly how to suck up to Stan because she immediately gets all the points. And Dipper's just like, uh, uh, yeah, you're great. He's like, you're trying too hard. And then Mabel's like, good call, Uncle Stan. Right. And she's like, you're trying extra hard. All the points. Right, so right. I, well, you, you so know, I, I mean, think, think of... Where, I, I think that's where, like, all the, the Mabel and Stan stuff that it does come into play at least a little bit because she knows what he likes and it shows that Dipper has been kind of staying away from Stan because Dipper's been on his own adventures, like, with Seuss and stuff like that. And he's... All of his adventures, all the weirdness is around Dipper, so naturally he is away from Stan because that's just the nature of the story. Um, but I like that here it shows that Mabel has been spending more time with Stan because she knows how to get what he wants. And Stan also has no feminine influence in his life at all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so are you saying that? Like, what, was the, what do you mean by that? Well, he doesn't have, I mean, he doesn't have a wife, a girlfriend. He doesn't have a daughter around the house. You know, he doesn't have, he's he's just a guy guying out in the house. So, you know, having a little girl around the house is probably a a, just a new dynamic for him and it's probably like something that he's missed in his life yeah i mean i guess like technically wendy works for him but like wendy's 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 kind of a tomboy yeah and she's (laughs) not she's not like mabel is like intensely interested in people she's enthusiastic about people and helping people and making people happy she's a bit like that that kind of person whereas wendy's just like hey i'm going on break there's more of a boss yeah. there's a like casual boss relationship between the two of them 
Whereas Mabel's family, and he has a female family member living in the house with him, and who knows if he's ever had that. I don't know if he has any siblings or anything, but it could be as far back as, you know, when he was a kid with his mother living Mm -hmm. under the same roof. So it's probably a welcome change for him and something that's been missing in his life. Early, early, early on, maybe it was the Gobblewonker episode. I mentioned how Zeus is almost like the mom of this show because he is that kind of Zen character Mm -hmm. that's looking out for them. But even then, like, Zeus is still not a female and not a mom. Um, He's a little more in touch with his emotional side than than Stan like is. To, to than Stan is. But I think uh, definitely with the kids there, I think Seuss is starting to step up more into not the traditional mom role, but more of the emotional things that mothers usually bring to the show. So, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? Yeah, let me look at my notes. I don't know if I did. Oh, the only other thing I had of note was uh, it was funny that they had some werewolf fan fan fiction in this. That was a good joke. (laughs) I just like the setup of basically werewolf porn, you know. That, but I mean, that's that that was just hilarious. I just love the setup of my mom's in a age of age inappropriate romance novels. (laughs) And the whole time, like, Dipper Mabel is just like, oh, God. And then Mabel Dipper is just like, ooh, Gerard sounds fancy. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, but that's all I have to... I sound like you really liked this episode. I did like this episode. It was fun. Well, that's all I have, too. So it is time for our next part, which is D- Dipper's journal entry. And this is actually a little bit from last week, too. I couldn't read the Mermando entry because it was tied into this episode. So this will be technically for Mermando last week and for this episode as well. And while it's Dipper's journal, it's written by Mabel in the century. So all, I just have to say, there's like 12 different colors of font. She constantly changes colors and she has a picture drawn of Dipper and Mermando and they're very cute. Here is Mabel writing in Dipper's journal. Body swap! Hello, Big important journal that Dipper writes in instead of having social interactions. This is your new lord and master, Mabel. Well, actually, it's Mabel inside Dipper's body. See, there's this whole body switching thing going on right now, but I won't bore you with all the sciencey details. Let's just say, thanks to Gravity Falls' weird mis- magic science, Dip Dip's body is temporarily under new management. And then she has a really, really goofy picture drawn of Dipper that says, I love Wendy over it. The image says, Dipper has never used a comb in his life. I tried to comb his hair, and the comb got stuck. Permanently? Question mark? This outfit smells. If I don't get my own body back soon, I'm going to burn it. <laughs> I made a point to never look below my chest. Good call, Mabel. Moist hands? Always moist. Seriously, I cannot keep my hands dry. Ugh. The body of an awkward preteen boy. On the bright side, I have a lot of newfound aimless aggression. I may want to punch them things while dancing. While I'm in control, I'm going to write about something that's, uh, that's actually interesting. My long-distance fish boyfriend, Mermando. And then it has a picture of Mermando holding his guitar. That swarthy little mustache, hubba hubba. Half fish, half shirtless guy. The perfect combination. He says he has a blowhole somewhere, but the less I know about that, the better. Supposedly, he has, like, 
13 hearts, and all of them were breaking when he missed his family. And then it has the picture of Dipper giving Mermando CPR, but it's drawn romantically like they're making out. My first kiss in Dipper's 2, Smooch, Dipper the Monster Hunter, ha ha ha. I guess I'm not being really fa fair to my brother. He did save Mermando's life with that kiss. Dipper has done a lot of heroic stuff this, this summer, and he saved us all a few times. As brothers go, he's pretty much the best one I could ask for. But giving him this awesome new room over my dead body, or over his dead body, or over my dead body and his dead brain? I don't know, never mind. So that is the journal entry for this episode written by Mabel and Dipper's body. So, yeah! There is an entry that's coming up that's like four pages long, and I'm very excited to get into it. So, Alright, well now to my favorite section of this is Chris's Speculation and Theories Corner. I'm very interested to see what you come up with this week. Well, I think body switching is going to come into play again. It, it might be like a secret body change that we won't find out till about later because I just noticed that, that Grunkle Rex scooped that carpet up and carried it off. Just like, I'll take that. There's been two incidents where, like, the one where, where Dipper goes, there's monsters, there's real monsters right out in the woods and blah, 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 and we have these fake monsters. And, and Grunkle Rex just, like, pretended that, like, that wasn't said it did not address the the monsters at the time, and then just and then just made sure he rolled up this carpet and and took it. I think the carpet will still be it was put somewhere safe. I guess that's the funniest thing because we always talk about like the monsters of the show, and there's the phrase "the elephant in the room." So Grunkle Sand doesn't talk about the monsters in the room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> um, anyway, go on. Yeah, he doesn't speak of the gobblewump in the room. But that, that that's basically it. I think uh, that was another little detail that I was like, ah, oh, Grunkle Rex is uh, not unaware of what this carpet is. What do you think that this room was originally used for? It's... And why do you think it was hidden? I mean, it's set up like somebody's study. So at some point, we're going to have to find out who the shack originally belonged to because it, it wasn't Grunkle Rex because the time period in that study was of a different time period. Maybe maybe it'll be a line of people. Maybe there, there's been a line of people that have lived there since a certain time and Grunkle Rex might be the latest one or, or something like that. I love that you keep calling him Grunkle Rex. Oh, did I just call him Grunkle Rex? Oh, <laughs> like, this entire section you've been calling him Did I do Grunkle it, like, Rex? five times? Yeah. Yes, it's, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's cute. Well, yeah, you love the Rex stuff. I do, just, I like, do. I love my... Grunkle Rex. I love my Clone, my clone Wars and Rebels Rex. He's my, my Grunkle Rex boy. I love him. Hey, we're about to start Clone Wars Season 7 over on J-Guys and Jedi, for anyone who cares. <laughs> so soon, I know what, like, oh, oh, in two weeks we'll be starting. I'm I'm so excited about starting that season of Clone Wars. It's so Absolutely. good. It's so good. So good. I'm so excited, too. But, yeah, so so to go back to, to pull this back, you think Grunkle Stan is in line of having this house? Possibly, that's a possibility. But there was, you know, definitely the house is, was maybe some sort of lodge at some time, or like 
it could literally have been just like a mountain lodge or something, but it might have been a like a Masonic lodge at, at, at some point. I will let you know that something that's cute that's coming up is we are going to see this room again. It's gonna when we get to the Gravity Falls shorts, but because Dipper says in this episode, I gave it to Seuss to be his break room, and we're gonna get to see it as his break room. <laughs> it's cute, so we are going to see this room again, but as Seuss's break room, and it's great. Well, did you have any other speculations or theories? Nope, that's it. All right, so to move on to our cipher corner and connections to previous episodes. There's no connections to previous episodes in this, but I wrote down, what, four or five connections from this episode that we will see both soon and in the future. So we will definitely be talking about this episode again. Um, There are actually two ciphers this week. The first one is in the puberty book called Why Am I So Sweaty? And once it's decoded, it says, Puberty, the greatest mystery of all. Also, go outside and make friends. I like that one. And the second cipher, of course, comes at the end of the episode in the end credits. And it says, once it's decoded, it says, But who stole the capers? Referencing to the book that Dipper was reading on his summer reading list, The Sibling Brothers and the Case of the Caper Case Caper. See, I couldn't read the, no. the, the, the name on the book, so I didn't see it was the Sibling Brothers. That's great. Yeah, when so when you were saying like, oh, Dipper's the Hardy Boys, it's it's yeah. a reference to the Hardy Boys, um, and it has them looking at a box full of capers, and it's the case of the caper case caper. You know who also likes to pull capers? Oh, your patrons. That's true. I have no idea how to get into that segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, I need a segue. So, of course, I wrote a wonderful little beautiful story last week. Um, I'm not doing that every week, guys. That's a lot of work, but I love you, and I will work for you all the time. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I do know that because of Brian and Heather, who are just so awesome and so cool, wonderful J-Guys listeners, along with Patrick, who has come over to this show and has been enjoying it, and you guys are so lovely, And then Billy, Lynn, and Kate, I love you guys forever and always. You're some of the most important people in my life. And Bree and Alex, who have been supporting me for years. And I can't even begin to thank you guys for everything you both have done for me. Guys, you're my amazing patrons. I love you so much. This is for you guys. And I love you. And you're the best. And thank you for your constant support and for being part of this show. And yeah, we love you guys. Yay! So, Chris, what are your final thoughts of the episode? I liked it a lot. It was, it was, uh, it, I mean, it had, it had the, the, the usual sort of family lessons in it, but they were sort of took a backseat to just sort of letting, letting the chaos run rampant in it. So it was a lot of fun. Plus, finding a mystery room is always, that's the stuff that I like that too. So I liked, like, opening up the mystery door and looking around in there. So, I have I have dreams like the dreams that I remember. I'm in like opening the door to some room that hasn't been gone into in 150 years and going like, ooh, let's take a little poke around. So I love stuff like that. So, yeah, I really like this episode. I like this episode, too. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's a really fun take on the body swap concept. And we have just really good animation and the family aspect is so much fun. Um, I cannot wait to revisit this episode once we get into season two, because we will be definitely coming back to this episode again. So guys, just 
put a pin in this episode. Uh, it's we'll we'll definitely be talking about this one again. Well, that's all I have. So where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's where Two True Freaks keeps all their podcasts and all their insanely prolific podcasters. Pretty much, if you go over there every day, you probably find a new podcast. It's at twotruefreaks.com. You can sign up for any of the, the podcasts RSSSSSS feeds there, or you can go uh, get them on uh, iTunes. We're also on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast page. Which again is a is a sort of place to just post all our podcasts as they come up, and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is a place for commentary and conversation. And we are also on Twitter. If you search Two True Freaks on Twitter, and that is run by one of our podcasters and good friends, Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Ooh, that was a fancy, that was a director's oh, cut, extended version. extended version, yeah. I did it, yeah. The Snyder cut. Well, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? Well, of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. That's where I write all my reviews. Um, I'm currently doing a lot of Star Wars Resistance posts because I'm participating in Remembering Resistance Day, which should be already done by the time this episode comes out. But you can always go back and see that and that's being hosted by our friends over at Friends of the Force. I also have been writing uh, Owl House reviews for the Owl House, which does have Gravity Falls roots. You can also check this show out on Patreon, because I always talk about my wonderful patrons. And you get behind-the-scenes content with that. You get, your, of course, your name shouted out here. Every time I get a new patron, I think I'm going to write a little story about all you guys, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but there's all sorts of extra fun stuff over on Patreon as well. Um, and that's at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. As Chris said, we have another podcast called J Guys and Jedi. Did you see that this time? I didn't. <laughs> oh, shows how well I was listening. <laughs> you know, this section is just kind of like on autopilot. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I'm usually my autopilot stuff were on J guys and Jedi, so I don't mention it. So I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we mentioned it earlier in the show though. Yes, we did. We, we did. We have another podcast called J guys and Jedi, which we are going through star Wars animation. By the time this episode comes out, we will be in star Wars season seven or Clone yes. Wars season seven. Uh, we just yes. finished up rebels. And you can find that at Jedi on Twitter. You can find me at HopeMolinX on Twitter. You can also find my fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. And I have just completed a picture or a story with my friend June for Star Wars Resistance. And she did the artwork. I did the fanfiction. I can't tell you the title because I haven't titled it yet because I just finished it today. <laughs> and I haven't titled it yet. But you can just look that right up. Oh, Chris, I am so interested to see what you think of next week's episode. Do you know why? Why? It's the NSYNC boy band episode. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a Mabel episode. It is the boy band episode. Um, it's called Boys Crazy with a Z in boys. Of course. Yep. Um, I'm just really excited to your take on it so i think it's gonna be fun i'm not uh, as hostile to i don't like ba boy band music but i'm not as hostile towards them as uh i you would possibly probably think i am 
I I like next week's episode. I think it's I think it's fun. But I will say the three weeks after that are to me the best of season one. So we're we're getting towards the end. We we only have four episodes left of season one. So we're we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. So And I have also and I'm not gonna reveal what it is yet, but I have Eventually, we're going to do a special episode where I make Hope Watch a cartoon, and I have yeah. found and secured the cartoon that I'm going to make Hope Watch. It is. Yeah, we're going to finish up season one, do a season one recap, and then we're going to have a special called Chris Makes Hope Watch Cartoons, and he's yeah. going to show me a thing. Really so. looking forward to it. I try to make, I've tried to, I like, this is, I, I've, I've recommended this to people over the years, and like, Back in the day when I, I didn't have it on VHS, I had it on a Super 8 videotape that I, I had a Super 8 camera and I was in New Orleans for Mardi Gras and on the last night there we were like, let's stay in and watch movies and we went to the video store and I found this movie and it was one of those things where I'd never seen it before, I did never seen it in a video store before so I'm like, we gotta get this movie and they're like, all right, and then I made a copy of it, and I used to show it to people. I just, you gotta watch this movie. You gotta watch this movie. But this is the first time I've got somebody pegged down, and we're gonna watch it and talk about it. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I won't say what it is yet, but when we when we get closer to time, we'll definitely say what it is. It's so. it's yeah, it's not a very popular or well known outside of like animation circles. So. Like it'll it'll probably be new to a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited about talking about that. And this is probably going to be like a normal special. Like every time we finish a season, we're going to do a, a Chris makes Hope watch cartoon special. So. Oh yeah, I can find plenty of cartoons. someday someday we'll do an episode of Scooby Doo or something. I'll I'll go back through Scooby Doo and find one of my favorite Scooby Doo's from a kid or something. That would be fun. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun too. Um. Because you're constantly referencing uh, Ren and Stimpy as well. I never watched Ren and Stimpy when I was growing up. Oh, right. So, like, they actually just announced that they're doing a reboot of Ren, Ren and Stimpy too. The cartoons of my youth have so are so shallow compared to the cartoons of these days that it would be really interesting to put it under our type of analysis and see what comes out of it because they're not they. They had some of them had some of them had lessons in them, but they were it was a different approach. The care and writing wasn't the same. And something that I've been wondering about too is I grew up watching a lot of like Toonami and Kids WB um, in that era, and that was when anime was first coming over to America, and they were trying to really Americanize anime. So a lot of the shows I grew up with is actually anime. So like. Cardcaptor Sakura, Sailor Moon, Digimon. Uh, those those were my shows of my my childhood, which definitely affected my love of animation because anime is a completely different. Yeah, beast. A- a- anime anime is very into emotions and and character stu- the the internal activities of its uh, characters. So, yeah, so I was thinking like not not like anytime soon, like maybe further down the line, like post Avatar after we do Gravity Falls and Avatar, um, maybe doing a special where we watch a couple episodes of those animes of my youth, like yeah. Cardcap, because Cardcaptor Sakura was a big one for me, and so was Sailor Moon. Um, Fushigi Yugi was another one. Um, Kate definitely is familiar with our Fushigi Yugi days. Um, Magical Knights, Ray Earth, Billy, and I. That's actually how Billy and I met. Um, our patron Billy was it was eighth grade and our my first day of school and I sat down and she sat down beside me and I noticed on her binder she had Ray Earth 
on her binder. And I was like, I love that show. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. Um, so, like, I, I think that would be cool. Like, not do, like, full seasons, because, my God, Dead the Moon has, like, 200 episodes. Right. But maybe, like, a few key ones, like, here and there of, like, these yeah. are from my childhood. Yeah, so just enough to give me a, an idea. Yeah, actually, something interesting is Digimon's currently in a reboot. Um, and so there's the original show, Digimon, and now they're doing Digimon 2020. And it's a complete, it's a lot of the same, same original characters, but the story is different. And I've been watching this YouTuber called, named Billum. And Billum, like me, grew up with the original Digimon, but he is now watching this 2020 reboot with friends who have, have not seen the original Digimon. So they're watching this for the first time. And now they're having conversation as an old fan and a new fan. And I kind of want to do something like that, too. I, I don't know. <laughs> so it's weird because I didn't grow up with the normal, like, cartoons. Like, I didn't watch stuff like Ren Stimpy or even, like, the Batman animated series or Gargoyles. I've never seen Gargoyles. See, all, like, those, all, all, those, stuff. all those are those are even those are even detached. I'm even older than that. You know, those those were start even those cartoons were starting to get more character oriented. But uh, although you weren't watching those cartoons, the cartoons you were watching, there were a lot of people like, you know, I mean, I think it, it, it split up by, by tastes and personality, but I think, you know, during that time period, there were a lot of people like watching the type of cartoons you were watching. And then there were another, uh, another group that were watching the more, the Batman and the gargoyles and the Disney afternoon and stuff. I'm talking about like, like when that stuff came out, I was an adult and I was watching it going, Wow, these cartoons are so much better written than than my cartoon. I'm talking Scooby Doo, Snagglepuss, Megilla Gorilla, even like all the old. Um, I keep wanting to say Funimation, but it's not Funimation. I'm trying to think of the the the, the they they used to do like Tarzan cartoons. They did Star Trek. They did um, Zorro. Yeah, were, I know what you're talking about. And, and yeah, they were, they were just ground out. Like they were just pumping them out and they were like lowest budget. The Star Trek ones, they hired Star Trek writers on them. So they were like Star Trek light. But for the most part, cartoons were so formulaic and stuff. It's just going to be a whole different context to discuss them in. So I'm, yeah, I'm into doing all those, uh, all those periods every once, you know, we'll do a yeah. little your time period, a little bit of my time period. We could even go back sometime and maybe do a couple issues, uh, episodes of like the Flintstones or something. Yeah, actually, let's let's open it up, listeners. If you know, like I yeah. said, this is going to be further down the line, but like, leave a comment, say like what you would love for us to go through and like this kind of thing, like whenever we do specials and stuff. And then we'll keep a list of them and yeah, maybe we make, can have a special listeners make hoping Chris watch a cartoon. That would be really fun, and we could also do something along the lines, of, especially for patrons. Like when it when we get closer to a special, I can just put up a poll on Patreon and let patrons decide what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, come back next week, and we will be talking about boys crazy. Girl, why you acting so cray, 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 cray? <laughs> More songs. Alright, bye guys. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. 
Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.